Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of What to Watch on Netflix. My name is Jed Shepard and I am your host. Um, as you guys know, this show is about uh, recommending stuff that I like um, and also talking to people who are involved in film or television uh, about their projects and the projects of theirs that I like too. Um, today I've got a great guest on. It's a guest that um, I've kind of looked at from afar since I was a child. Um, it's writer Stephen Volk. Hi. Hey Stephen, how are you? Less of the child, though. That makes me feel old. <laughs> I was a I was a very small child when uh, when Ghost Watch came on. You're a very very elderly child, I hope. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> well, it kind of all started. Um, I, I was I was yeah a child, and yeah. um, Ghost Watch came out in 1992, and th- there was a kind of a lead up. Uh, before it came out there was there were adverts on tv and there was a few things in the press about it um i mean again i was a child so i didn't really have access to all of that so when ghost watch finally came on and this is all my friends were are you going to go watch ghost watch tonight are you watching ghost watch i'm like yeah sure but i wasn't i wasn't 100 percent sure what it was um and i watched it and to this day i am still freaked out and all my friends who watched it on that day are still freaked out and i i do still look in the corner of my room every now and again just in case <laughs> and, and uh, well i have to say uh, two things i'm really sorry and thank you very much <laughs> um you've definitely caused some nightmares throughout the, the the uk and probably the world um so Stephen, how did you come up uh, first come up with the, with the concept of ghost watch um, well, um, it began as the concept of a, a TV uh, normal drama series, six-hour six drama series, which right. uh, I think it always had the name Ghost Watch, but the, the central concept of the original drama series was um, some ghost hunters um, in cahoots with a uh, film crew um, oh. in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. So it was... a. a, a so it was as straightforward as that in the in initial concept, much more like a kind of conventional film series, yeah. um, or serial rather. Um, so this is what I pitched initially to the BBC around way, way back in probably 1989, something like that, uh, or even 88. Um, and the producer was very keen on that, and I even did a treatment of it, but it didn't really wash because the BBC, uh, some things never changed, didn't want to commit to a supernatural series at that point yeah. you know six whole hours of genre tv didn't really appeal to them mm-hmm. um so the producer said to me uh, could we do it as a 90 minute single because there was a slot coming up for a 90 minute single and um my original series concept uh, the climax of the drama was a live transmission from the haunted house so I said, well, I don't want to. I don't want to shoehorn six hours of drama into ninety minutes. I don't think it'll work. But what if we just did episode six, which was a live transmission? And as a kind of additional um, element to the pitch, I said, why don't we do it as if it is going out live? In other words, you know, with real presenters yep. um, and that kind of thing, rather than actors. And her eyes lit up, and uh, that was the start of it, really. Uh, and I thought, oh God, I really created a rod for my own back in trying to write this as a piece of kind of light entertainment rather than a conventional screenplay. But I just thought the potential reward of creating something genuinely scary and something kids, 
you know, I say kids, meaning, you know, kids and teenagers, yep. as I was when I was excited by stuff on TV and couldn't wait to talk about it in school the next day. <laughs> that was my target audience, really. So you were my target audience, I suspect. Well, you hit the target, and um, I'm still talking about it to this day. Um, <laughs> Literally to this day. To this day, this very day. Um, so you must have had some kind of... Um, because when I, I'm also, um, I write in, in film every now and again, and when people ask my influences, Ghostwatch is definitely up there with, with something that I, I look back at and not copy, but like I use elements of um, the kind of slow burn. Um, what were you looking, what were your influences in writing it? Because um, I've heard um, Stone Tapes was... was let me think, definitely Nigel Neal's Stone Tape, yeah. um, which was a great television influence because yes. I just remember the excitement of watching that, really. Yeah. Uh, there's something special about what watching something on TV in those days, in mm-hmm. the 70s, which goes out, not live necessarily, but that's the only chance you're going to see it. There's yeah. no playback. We couldn't record it. You couldn't see it on iPlayer. It was like you see it that night or you don't see it at all. Yeah. Uh, and there's a real excitement about that. And when you're a kind of, um, and kind of nascent uh, uh, film uh, addict, as, as me and my mates were, um, uh, you kind of thrive on, on things that are unusual, that catch your attention, that are challenging, that kind of break boundaries and that kind of thing. So definitely the Stone Tape was one of them. Yeah. Before that, I guess, you know, I grew up with uh, pan books of horror stories and books of ghost stories and um, the M.R. James adaptations that were done at BBC at Christmas. Oh, great, yeah. Um, uh, the Innocents, you know, is probably mm-hmm. my favorite ghost film. Um, uh so th- those were my influences, really. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I, yeah, I guess I just wanted all those things to come to fruition in it, really. It really did. It really worked. Um, were you involved in the actual creation of the TV show? Like, how much input did you have? Um, in, um, I mean, obviously, you wrote it, but did, did, were you there, like, casting? Were you there picking like, uh, Sarah really, Green? Not really in casting. I mean, okay. the casting was thought about... Um, you know, as I was rewriting, I suppose, in collaboration with the director, uh, I, I used to play a trick with myself in a way and, and just for the fun of the producer, really. Uh, and every time I did a new draft, I put different people's names in um, uh, rather than put, you know, TV anchorman or roving reporter or comedian yeah. on the street. You know, I put different people, different people's names in like David Dimbleby or Nick Ross or Annika Rice or... You know, uh, just to, just to kind of have a bit of fun as we're going going along, and to, <laughs> and to kind of try out different people in those roles, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so eventually it was Sarah Green, and eventually it was obviously Michael Parkinson. But yeah. um, uh, I would yeah. like to see that alternative version of Ghostwatch with Annika Rice running around the, around the house with a. <laughs> it'd be great looking well, for clues. <laughs> she was, she turned it down. So Did she? You, uh, she was offered to her. Yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> she thought it would be the end of her career, I think, wow. if she did something uh, that cheated the audience to such a huge degree. But wow. um, I, I, I think that was the thing. And the BBC wouldn't let us go to Nick Ross because he was doing um, Crime Watch and that right. was his agenda, really. So, so yeah. you know, the, the producer and director, to their credit, kind of, you know, it was very collaborative in that sense mm-hmm. that we all were on the same page and we all knew what we wanted to achieve and why we wanted to achieve it, really. Yeah. Um, the, 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 although I was only privy to certain of the battles at the BBC hierarchy, I was, certainly wasn't 
privy to all the skirmishes that uh, Ruth and uh, Leslie um, had to endure, yeah. uh, which I'm rather glad glad about because I think I would have had a major hissy fit, probably permanently for about 18 months, probably. Um, <laughs> you know, as they as they fretted over almost everything about the program, including does this need to be real presenters? Can't we do it just with actors? Yeah. Um, can't we put an enormous caption at the beginning? Please don't believe this because it's not real. You mm-hmm. know, all all those kind of things, which you realize is absolutely endemic in the BBC. You know, they're, yes. they're absolutely petrified of a program going out that actually is of interest to people or challenging. <laughs> um, so they'll do anything to make it as banal as possible and not to ruffle any grannies. Well, it does feathers. have your name as, um, as writer at the start, doesn't it? It does say written. It by, does. That was yeah. a last-minute thing that was literally done the day before wow, because okay. it was a directive from on high. Ruth had to go back into the editing room and put my name at the beginning. They said, this will not go out Saturday night unless you put the writer's name at the beginning. <laughs> and Ruth literally went in the, went in the um, editing room, put a caption in, squeezed my name in between the names of the actors at the beginning, <laughs> which is why it looks so peculiar. Um, and um, and kind of it flashed by in a second, and hardly anyone noticed it. But she was obliged to, to do it; otherwise, it wouldn't have gone out. So That's the kind of battle that I didn't know about until afterwards. Wow! So your name was kind of like flashed on screen, just as yeah, Mr. Yeah. Pipes is flashed in the background of, of certain yeah. scenes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the um, the whole kind of structure of the show, I think, works because it mixes the drama and the tension with some light-hearted kind of comedic moments, like um, obviously Craig Charles jumping out of the cupboard yeah. and because Craig Charles was known for things like Red Dwarf um, it kind of yeah. almost it worked in in Ghostwatchers favour well, there was, a, there was yeah. a, that was where he jumps out of the kitchen um, uh, cupboard with a mask on yeah. that was a direct crib from the stone tape where quite near the beginning uh, someone's dressed up as an alien and yes. they kind of make they make fun of it uh, <laughs> and I always felt that was a way of Nigel Neal saying to the audience oh you expect me to do aliens but this isn't an alien yeah, yeah. and I thought that's such a clever it's an amusing moment but it's also a clever way subtextually to get to the audience yeah. uh, and since the whole build-up of ghost watch is about a very smug um set of people thinking they're going to get the better of the supernatural they're mm-hmm. going to bring all the technology and cynicism of the bbc to catch a ghost yeah uh, and of course they would lark around because that's entertaining mm-hmm. but also it was my way of saying this isn't really going to be one of those things with someone with a mask on. This yeah. is going to be something different. Uh, so, and also it was a nod to Nigel Neal because I admire that writer so much and what he's done for the, uh, the television yeah. uh, genre of science fiction and horror over the years. Uh, and I kind of wanted that little nod in. There are other, other nods to um, to him as well as, as the story pans out. Because I, I watched the Stone Tape because I think I read an interview with you many years ago where you you mentioned that was one of the influences, so I, I tracked it down. Um, I think I bought it on like something like VCD off eBay like about yeah. twelve years ago, and um, oh, it's, it's it's brilliant. I can definitely see the influences, um, and it's just well, the sense of the eeriness. Idea, the idea for me of uh, peeling away the past like an onion onion layers. I yeah. think you know that's said by the expert on Ghost Watch. Um, yeah. And Parkinson says, "What are you talking about?" You know, he doesn't understand what she's on about, but it's a direct. <laughs> 
crib, really, from Nigel Neal's idea that they, as they erase one layer of recording, there's another mm-hmm. older one underneath. Yeah. And grad- gradually, I mean, as with Nigel Neal, kind of science and technology uh, is no match for kind of primeval forces. And I love that combination with his best writing. Yeah. And I kind of wanted this idea that as you peel away the layers, there's something murky and darker and yet darker underneath it. So you go back in history, you go back, and then there's something that's almost a sense of the literal unknown underneath it all that you can't yeah. quite grasp so that's what i was kind of that's what i was kind of going for in a way and it was also um, i guess the story is a little bit based on the the enfield poltergeist um, I'm guessing that's where you kind of got the structure for the for the two girls living in a in a. Well, not, actually, not really. I mean, I did oh, read okay. that, and I knew a lot of poltergeist literature. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't really base it on that literally. Okay. Um, uh, it was more an amalgam of a stereotypical family. I thought. I mean, I had to have. Uh, I wanted the moment where it seemed to be a fake, and it wasn't, and they were yeah. looking at the wrong girl um so i wanted one uh for the sake of 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 poltergeist law in a way i wanted one of them to be a pubescent girl and one to be younger more fantasy prone personality so that kind of uh that took me in that direction and i wanted a kind of broken family one parent family because i wanted the absent father to be reflected in their wish fulfillment to have a male character which they've kind of psychologically invented and then the, the, the the psychological invention of the ghost obviously return of the repressed as as Sigmund Freud told us, you know, it comes back to in a bad way rather than a wish fulfillment. I mean, all, all wow. horror, uh, a lot of horror in a way it conforms to that form of mm-hmm. it's a wish that's perverted into something nasty. Uh, and that's, that's really what Ghost Watch is all about is um, the audience's wish. And that's why I've, I said quite recently, and it was kind of startled me, this revelation, <laughs> yeah. is that the audience is the, is the protagonist in the drama in Ghost Watch. The audience is the audience's wish is the catalyst for the drama. Uh, and everything that plays out with the characters on screen is because of the audience wanting something to happen. Uh, so it's their character arc that is the most important one if you were to analyze it in screenwriting that's terms. That's so clever. I think. That's the, I'm learning new things about Ghost I wish Watch. I knew that at the time. <laughs> 25 years later, I realized yeah. it. <laughs> well, I, I was actually at the 25th anniversary screening on Halloween in, in East London. Um, oh, were you? Last year. I was there, yeah. So I saw you. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was it great. It was a great Just, event. I really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Because um, it was actually... It was, was on Halloween as well so it made it even more special and um, um, I know there you you talked a little bit about or you kind of hinted at a possible um, a kind of uh, reunion uh, with with uh, some of the mate with the director on um, something yes I'm, I, I have been working on another uh, project with her with okay. Leslie Manning uh, I mean obviously we've become well not obviously we have become friends and uh, and colleagues over the years we, yeah. we worked on a, another drama uh, in 1995, which was part of a BBC series called Ghosts, um, yeah. and uh, for which I wrote two episodes, and she directed one of them. Uh, we kept in contact ever since, and I had a, a script script that was called um, Telepathy, which was based on uh, Russian-Soviet EFP experiments. Wow. Um, and uh, it went through several producers, and I wasn't really happy with where it had gone, and then the option ran out, and then Leslie got on board, uh, and we've gone uh, to a different producer, 
which is uh, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're hoping that will come together the next few months, really. It's been wow. a long slog getting the finance together, but we're hoping that that will happen. Um, and I'm sure you'll be the first to know about it yeah. when it does. <laughs> so does this happen? Um, so is this going to be a, a film or is it going to be a TV show? Or? It's a feature film, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it's a feature film. Awesome. But, uh, but like all these things, you know, you you uh, are very wary of even talking about it because yeah, course, um, you yeah. jinx it, you know. Yeah. But I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of just saying it's kind of out there just to answer your question. Yeah. That we're, you know, Leslie and I like working together. She's, she's, what's great about Leslie and what's great about what she brought to Ghostwatch was um, she wasn't one of these directors that comes on board and says, right, I'm going to show off. I'm thinking of my L.A. showreel uh, <laughs> and what I'm going to do next. Um, I'm, uh, so I want to shoot this in 35 mil yeah. and get some uh, A-list actors in it. Absolutely the opposite. What she does is she works very much from what the script needs to be, which is a kind of uh, light entertainment budgeted on video early evening kind of show. So she, so none of her decisions were about uh, her ego as a director. They were all about what is going to make this program work. Um, and she, she worked incredibly hard, as did Ruth, the producer, on, you know, far beyond the call of duty, really, to try and pull it off. Because, yeah. um, uh, you know, there were there were many labyrinthine twists along the way, where whereby it, it could easily not have happened. So, um, so I'm constantly reminding people that that. The, the whole team uh, pulled it off, uh, you know, um, with remarkable skill, you know, much to my they um, really did. pride, really, mm. in the end. And um, obviously, um, off the back of, of Ghostwatch, um, the BBC had to apologise for possibly scaring people, even though it was made quite obvious, um, it, because it was listed in the Radio Times and things like that, that this was not a real thing, even though it was presented as... Um, I think the problem was really that partly it was about people being scared, but uh, but I think the bigger picture, because it was the BBC, was that people felt they'd been made mugs of, yeah. they'd been scared, and they felt this shouldn't be allowed because this is our national broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Of course, I, you know, being the writer of it, um, I think it was great it was the national broadcaster because... Yeah. Um, it's you know Auntie BBC who does no wrong and you and is trustworthy and all the rest of it. Of course, Ghostwatch is about you know can you trust television? <laughs> can you trust what you watch? Can you trust what the expert, so-called expert, is telling you? Yeah. Kind of like a, a pro- progenitor of fake news in a way. You know, can you trust anything that you're being told? I mean, we know now that we can't. Yeah. But in those yeah. days, it was kind of a bit of a kind of warning light, just saying. You know, there are programs out there pretending to be documentaries that are actually drama. There are dramas mm-hmm. out there pretending to look like documentaries. The whole language between fact and fiction was changing in the early 90s. And that was that was the kind of catalyst, in a sense. Um, a par- you know, it was a parallel catalyst to my interest in supernatural mm-hmm. TV drama. Um, you know, the kind of TV I was seeing around me, that created the climate uh, whereby we felt this was really something we wanted to make right now. Uh, and I think actually in persuading the BBC to commission it, the producer actually said to them in the end, you do realize if we don't do this, someone else will. Yeah. And I think that was the, that was her masterstroke of mm-hmm. getting it commissioned. Yeah. And it, and it did work. And um, the kind of uh, the fallout from, from the show was people 
even though there were there was there's obviously a lot of evidence to the contrary, people still believed it, it was real. And I, I remember well, going to school. From, from my point of yeah. view, I always tell people, and, and they laugh, is that um, we went to stay with friends the weekend before, and uh, uh, you know, you know, even for me as a as a TV writer full time, it's mm-hmm. quite rare to actually get something on screen just by law of averages. Mm-hmm. So, so when something is coming out, I normally tell my friends so that they they don't say the week later, "What have you been up to?" Yeah. You know. So I so I said so I said, "Oh, I've got this thing going out next Saturday," and and then I subsequently spoke to my friend, and she said, um, "Yes, I do. I thought that was really happening." I said, what do you mean that you thought it was really happening? I told you I'd written it. And she said, yeah, but when I saw Michael Parkinson, I thought you must have got it wrong. Um, that was so a stroke of genius, bra- people's, people's brain, um, you know, what I think is great about what Leslie did is make it look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think even people that watch it now on the big screen, as you did in, in East London, yep. and you know it's not going out live, and you know mm-hmm. it's fake because we're talking about it, there is something about the way it's made that go kind of bypasses the critical part of the brain yeah. and and tells you visually that no, this is really happening, and and you start to feel very uncomfortable about it, yeah. which I think is very interesting psychologically. It's like the the the, the televisual aspect of the of the language mm-hmm. um, um, really overrides the voice that that that. That, that is perfectly rational that says that says no this isn't happening um yeah. so as a psychological study even that aspect i think is really quite interesting oh definitely and i think the, the longevity of of ghostwatch is the fact that um no one at the time thought it was something you should record no one knew that this would be something that would last or be talked about forever yeah so no one no one i know really recorded it and just the and rumors upon of the, rumors that was of part it. of the yeah. mythology of course really yeah, that exactly. was part of uh, what kept people you know kept the mystery alive in a sense before it came out on dvd and 10 years later and it was like chinese whispers like like i say in my school playground the next uh well the next monday everybody was uh, was convinced that their watches have stopped when they watched it but yeah yeah my clock stopped fantastic yeah and and to this day to this day (laughs) my friends were like we watched that and our our clock stopped and my mum was crying and it was it was crazy um and then i tried to get get find a, a vhs of it like in the 90s you can't you couldn't get it and then it was took eight ages to get onto, onto DVD, so I, I had to like get it from some guy off off eBay who uh, transferred it from a V uh, from a v, his VCR. Um, and I think this it was this, like almost a, a kind of found footage yes. um, mystery. It was uh, like the ring tape, real time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then what was great is the ten year anniversary was coming up, and yeah. uh, it was only about it was something ridiculous, like a month before the anniversary. Um, the BFI turned around and said, "Oh, we want to." We, we want to release it on DVD as part of our television yeah. archive mm-hmm. classics, you know, and I thought, Jesus, classic, classic <laughs> television archive. I thought, you know, hell, that's a, that's a real compliment. It really you know, is. Because we've been kind of ignored for 10 years. Yeah. I'm not asked about it. And persona <laughs> non grata. And, I thought, and they said, would you like to come in, uh, like, tomorrow to record a commentary? And we were all like, hell, yeah, we'll be there you know, now if you want to do it. Because <laughs> it was the first time anyone had asked us to talk about why we wanted to do it wow. <laughs> or anything. Wow. So we were super keen to, to put our thoughts down on, the, on you know, on the DVD. Yeah. And and talking of the 10-year of the anniversary, I know uh, you wrote a, a kind of a follow-up called 3110 around that time. 
That's right. Someone asked me to write something for a, a website, and yeah. um, I don't think the website. Uh, I think the, the website in the end didn't didn't do it, or uh-huh. didn't, you know, wasn't going any longer. But I I ended up writing writing it just literally when I was on on holiday just yeah. for fun, just scribbling in a notebook, and um, yeah. So that was a bit of that was that was a bit of a laugh. It's kind of met- I read it. Yeah, kind it was of great. Metafiction upon metafiction. So, some of the bits uh, I love from it. I've got, I've got, I've taken notes. <laughs> Some of the bits I love from it is the fact that um, in in this in the Ghost Watch universe, Sarah Green is still missing, and it's a lookalike that replaced her. So at any time you'd, you'd seen uh, Sarah Green after 1992, October 1992, it was a lookalike. Um, yeah, I love and that. I think Michael Parkinson is still in a sanitarium. Don't yes, that, he is, and he keeps on yeah. saying round and round the garden like a teddy bear. <laughs> he can't get that out of his head. But then also the twist at the end um, about pipes um do you remember what that was yeah well pipes turned out to be me i think in reflection didn't it um Ooh, the, the writer no. turned out to be me wasn't wasn't that the idea well that was i can't remember that I was read it oh time. okay well that was implicated that it was something to do with you because uh, um you, uh, how you described yourself mirrored kind of pipes a little bit but it was the fact that pipes was sarah green sarah green had kind of taken on the mantle of mr pipes um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which I thought was such I, a nice I'd touch. I'd forgotten that aspect, yeah. Because, like, he had one eye that was clawed out by cats and the other eye was, like, Sarah Green's piercing blue eye. Um, yeah. Which I thought was creepy. Well, the idea of the, the, idea of the red eye, I think, um, I kind of liked the idea that it was the flashing light of, a, of, a, of oh. the camera. That, you know, when a camera comes on, yeah. there's a red light that comes on. And I just had this visual idea that that would kind of reflect the... the the eye that's kind of perverse way my mind works basically and <laughs> has great. done for the last 30 years you know that's great because i think they mentioned that that the the the, the one one red eye um which is yeah that's great oh he said uh, mr pipes is camera one something like that which i think is a, a great <laughs> line um but like how if if someone approached you right now and said okay make make another ghost watch how would you do it or like a like a follow-up um I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it really. I, yeah. I think it was it was of its time, and I don't think you could do it. I don't think you physically could do it in the television climate of the time. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure how, how to what extent you would want to do it. I couldn't figure. If someone asked me, I couldn't figure out what would be the point of doing it. To be honest, um, other than just doing it again, um, and mm. that, uh, that people do say to me, "Oh, can we have the next Ghost Watch?" And I think, well, no, I, I don't know what the next is. You know, it's kind of like um, I think the, the next one will be something that isn't Ghost Watch that mm. I couldn't think of that someone younger and cleverer than me will come up with or is coming up with right now <laughs> that I haven't seen and wouldn't think of. That's how I think about that. Uh, that's how I think of it, is that it'll be something of, uh, you know, literally a generation later will be yeah. something that I couldn't contemplate. Um, so I think that's rather exciting, I think. Well, um, you obviously you obviously um, saw, I'm guessing, the con- second Conjuring film. Um, the end no, film. I didn't see that. No, I didn't, oh, you didn't? see that. No. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think you trailer, should. And I thought... Uh, I, uh, the idea that um, the idea that someone in Enfield would have um, a, a child would have a a, a, room, a bedroom the size of a football pitch <laughs> just was absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, Americanization of you know beyond all plausibility. That's thought, true. You know, and the uh, I just I just thought I can do without that really. But people people have told me that right. that there are certain references in it and that kind of thing. And oh, thought, it's Ghostwatch. Well, it, I, I thought you know. <laughs> 
if if I like it, yeah. you know, I'll be pissed off. And yeah. if I don't like it, I'll also be pissed off. So what what's to be gained, really? That's true. So I just I just let it let it go. Well, when I watched it, I, I turned to the person next to me and said, "This is this is Ghostwatch," and there's a particular reveal in it as well, and it's Ghostwatch. It, it's it's so similar, um, and the fact uh, it's yeah, it's very similar. But uh, it's actually a, a decent film. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. there are Hollywood elements tacked onto it, but the, the central yeah. premise is good. Um, yeah, and so you don't think that if Netflix like kind of uh, backed up a truck full of money and said we want something for our platform for for next Halloween, you wouldn't give it a go? Well, Netflix couldn't wouldn't put something out live, would they? So they have they done. They've they've done. They've, they? ex- they've experimented with a few things, yeah. But it's um, been special events and live. Well, I see that. Uh, I think the, the Inside Number Nine guys, my friend uh, Reese Shearsmith, is oh. doing a live uh, Halloween special. Nice. And uh, I actually texted him and said, "I really, really would like you to have a little nod towards Ghostwatch in it." And he he kind of. Um, he said, ha, 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 I think you'll like it. So I take that. Excellent. Uh, this Halloween uh, coming up? Yeah. Amazing. Um, right. But Reese is, I did I did a, a play with Reese at the uh, Bush Theatre in London, and uh, he's absolutely wonderful. And it's like, uh, I kind of opened my mouth to say how much I loved his work. Yeah. And, and before I could speak, he he was talking about Ghostwatch, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and also Mark Gatiss is a big fan of, uh, big fan of Ghostwatch yeah. as well, you know. So I met him once, and the first thing he said is, Mr. Pipes, you know. <laughs> uh, so that, that's lovely to, when people um, remember it, you know, especially yeah. so. I mean, you know, Kim Newman said a wonderful thing in the documentary that Rich Lorden made, uh, um, and I think it was the kind of uh, punchline of the documentary about mm-hmm. the making of Ghostwatch, uh, which is called uh, Ghostwatch Behind the Curtains, by yes. the way, to give it a quick plug. Yep. Kim Newman said at the end, you know, how many programs do we remember from from October 1992 <laughs> <laughs> that we're still talking about 25 years later and I thought yeah, he's, got a good, he's got a good point so I, I do I do I know it traumatized people and yeah. people have come up to me at screenings and said you know that really traumatized me I couldn't I couldn't uh, sleep for a week I had to have the light on but they also say almost in the same sentence you know I do think it's the best program I've ever seen on TV and I really wanted to say thank you and you know I, I have difficulty getting my head around how something that is absolutely terrifying can mm-hmm. also be something that thrills people and in lots of cases people have said it actually made me want to make horror films and made me go into filmmaking yeah. and um and I find that quite extraordinary and quite humbling and 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 really really brilliant. Um, so the legacy kind of lives on, you know, in a way that uh, uh, in a way that I couldn't have imagined, and is very very gratifying, you know. Yeah, I mean, there there were there were times when because um, uh, I, I think Ghostwatch is the kind of grandfather, great grandfather of found footage movies. Um, yeah. When Blair Witch first came out, uh, I remember people writing um, or comparing it a little bit to yeah. um, um, Ghostwatch. And then especially when Paranormal Activity came out, um, yeah. people compared it to Ghostwatch very much so. Well, Oren Pelly uh, did a, a questionnaire in Time Out where he was asked to name, I think, half a dozen little seen um, gems in, in the horror genre. Mm-hmm. And Ghostwatch was one of them. So... Yeah. 
he definitely declared that he'd seen it, yeah, which I thought sense. was really interesting. We haven't got a similar thing from the Blair Witch guys. Mm-hmm. I think they've always claimed that they haven't seen it when they've been asked about it, but who yeah. knows? I'd and be that, very surprised. Um, it does it does predate uh, the found footage genre, yeah. and it certainly predates Most Haunted, um, which yeah. I'm really glad you haven't raised. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> because, uh, you know, that, that's a whole other uh, arena as far as I'm concerned, you know. But, uh, yeah. Um, there's a whole kind of uh, subgenre of paranormal television oh, that, God, that seems yeah. to have come, uh, seems to, uh, you know, amateur ghost hunting goes mm-hmm. live and all this kind of thing, you know, yeah. um, which which seems to uh, occupy certain obscure TV channels oh, yes. an awful lot of the time yeah. uh, in the last twenty years. But people seem to love it, you know. But anyway, whether whether we inadvertently spawned that or not, I don't I don't really know. But I take no responsibility for it. <laughs> and you also um, um, after Ghostwatch, you um, you kind of did another supernatural uh, thing in a, in a TV show. It was um, Afterlife, the the ITV TV oh, show, right. yeah. which yeah. which was which was great. And you created that, and you and you wrote it. Yeah, uh, I didn't write every episode, but mm-hmm. I was kind of lead writer on it. So I, I, I wrote, um, uh, I would say, of the of the fourteen episodes, probably the majority, ten or eleven of them, I think. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I was involved in the other ones. Not to not to denigrate at all the other writers course, that, yeah. that uh, brilliantly kind of came into the fold. Um, but that was a great experience. That was probably one of my most favourite experiences working on something because I. Um, I really felt involved in the whole process and working yeah. with the actors. And the wonderful thing about a long-running, not long-running, but a running TV show as opposed to a one-off, is that uh, you could be right. They could be making episode one when you're still writing episode five. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting a sense of who the actors are and how they play scenes. And, and that was terribly exciting for me to know, literally know the actors um, and and, you know, uh, really, a sense of excitement about giving them scenes they could get their teeth into, and that—that's something really special, I think. And, and I'm, I, I'm sure that TV writers that um, work on um, uh, episodic TV—that's uh, part of the real excitement and thrill of it—is writing for actors' strengths, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, were you tempted at all to uh, slot in some some kind of undercover Ghost Watch um, references in into Afterlife? Or, or to- oh God. Did that, you? You know, I never. I don't think I ever thought of that. Not deliberately. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not kind of like. I don't have that Castle Rock kind of Stephen King mentality <laughs> where every all my stories have to occupy a multiverse. I, I I kind of find that. What can I say? A bit vulgar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not to be snobby about it, but I kind of want. I just want people to believe the story they're watching and mm-hmm. find it utterly plausible. And anything that takes them out, at, like a like a smart smug kind of reference to something else um, really risks the plausibility. I think that's what puts me off it. So that's why I probably wouldn't now, having said that, I probably I probably hang up the phone and think of something that I did do, you know. Yeah, um, like, that was that time yeah. when she had to face Mr. Pipes. In uh, it would have been great if there was. I think there must have been an episode where you did, did uh, cats crying out and to to, re- <laughs> to represent uh, the supernatural uh, around. I can't think of it, but I I will think of it. I'm sure when I when I cross phone. <laughs> yeah. but, but like I say, I don't really like the cross-reference things. I don't yeah, think yeah. when I'm writing one story, oh, this will be clever if it's a character from another story overlapping mm-hmm. into this and whatnot. I think if I did, funnily enough, if I did another supernatural or paranormal TV drama, yeah. 
I think I I would like a little reference back to Alison Mundy, the medium, even if yeah. it's something in the background. Just if it, if only if it felt it could be in the same universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it does, if it's got not got the same, if it's not the same thematic universe or reality. Then there's there's absolutely no point in it, really. I suppose the strength of Stephen King's world is is they all could theoretically occupy the same world, which is what they're doing. Aren't they? TV series called Castle Rock. I think they are. Uh, yeah. and, they've got, and they've got kind of Carrie and Firestarter and yeah. the whole lot of them are all in the same. We'll see if we'll see if that works really. But the problem with that in horror really is that I think uh, you know plausibility probably goes out the window a little bit, like it does in uh, American Horror Story. It's kind of yeah. like oh, forget forget whether you believe this. It's just a ghost train ride. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, which isn't yeah. isn't really. Is not really my style, even though I enjoy it. But um, it's it, you know. I think I I think I think the idea of the audience feeling comfortable and kind of enjoying what they're watching is is well, enjoying is a funny word. Um, <laughs> it's almost the opposite of what I want. Sometimes I want <laughs> people to feel kind of dis- not not necessarily disturbed, but partly disturbed, or at least um, uh, disrupted is probably a better word. Yeah. Because I think that's that's when you can get through to people emotionally yeah um so i like disruption i like disruption really and um you you also involved in in a film uh relatively recently called uh, the awakening yeah which yeah. which i loved that, that i also in, loved in a way was partly um similar kind of thematic territory to afterlife in mm-hmm. that it's um afterlife was about a skeptical character and a, a believer yeah uh, a supernatural believer and um i guess i put the two in one character in the awakening yeah so she's a very at the beginning she's a very um debunking ghost hunter and mm-hmm. then she uh, her character arc goes on a development whereby uh, and this is kind of announced more or less in the first scene that the story we are going to see unfold is whereby she um she becomes more and more um, of necessity a believer in the supernatural because of things that happen around her. It's a standard, yeah. standard supernatural uh, format, obviously. That was your chance um, to stick Alison Mundy in a, in, in, a, in a film. Pardon? That was your chance to stick Alison, um, the <laughs> yeah, character, into that true. film. Would have been perfect. That's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Pipes uh, have a Stephen Volk universe, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, all all of those things uh, have been great and. Is there anything that you're working on right now that you're particularly excited about? Obviously, besides um, telepath. Uh, yeah, it's a bit uh, different for me. I've been working on a, uh, a book um, which is coming out in October from uh, PS Publishing, mm-hmm. um, and it's called the Dark Masters Trilogy, uh, mm-hmm. and it's um, two novellas that I've uh, published previously, and a third one that hasn't been published. The first. Um, the first is called Whitstable, and it uh, it features uh, Peter Cushing, the horror star, as uh, one of its characters. Wow. Uh, the second one is called Leightonstone, and it's about the childhood of Alfred Hitchcock. Perfect, yeah. And the third one is, uh, which hasn't, as I say, hasn't been published yet, is, uh, and will be the third part of the book, um, is called Netherwood, and it's about Dennis Wheatley and his encounter mm. with Alistair Crowley. Wow, okay. in uh, in Hastings in the 1940s. So um, I think together they they're very they're separate stories, but they're very thematically linked because mm-hmm. Peter Cushing and Hitchcock and uh, Dennis Wheatley, to, to a greater or lesser extent, are all their work is all involved in horror or terror, 
uh, terrorizing people with the black magic stories or the, the, obviously the work of Peter Cushing in horror films or Hitchcock, you know, his terrifying films like The Birds and Psycho. They're all in the business of terror. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my way through the prism of these three characters in different ways to, I think, kind of explore what, why are people like me, a writer of horror, attracted to the genre? What does it, what does it, what does it do? Is it a, um, you know, why, why, for instance, do I feel it's a genre that is a benevolent one? People, mm-hmm. people outside the genre seem to think that it's reductive, that Very it's true. harmful, yeah. and that kind of thing. I've always found that it's, um, force of kind of subversion mm-hmm. and anarchy and uh it's kind of like outside the art to me yeah and it's an expression uh of people that are usually have a sense of anxiety about the way uh or the darkness in the world they acknowledge the darkness in the world and 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 um Actually, a novelist that I saw uh, speaking last night, Paul Tremblay, who wrote a book called uh, Head Full of Ghosts. I just read it. About to be a film. Yeah, I just uh, read he it. He said last night in, um, in Bristol that he felt that the hope of horror uh, and why we are drawn to it is that we, we can share the sense of the things that are wrong in the world. So by all reading the same book, seeing the same film, there's a commonality of sharing um, the bad things, and I think there's there's something there's something good about that, mm-hmm. and also it enables things that are bad about the world to be couched in metaphorical form, in poetic kind of form, you know, monsters, vampires, yep. serial killers, that we can deal with, or we can explore, or we can you know, assimilate, if you like, in a way that's, that we wouldn't want to do in real life. That, that's, that's for certain. Um, yeah. um, so it's a, it's, it's a way for those of us who are anxious about everything. You know, Hitchcock was asked, Mr. Hitchcock, what are you afraid of? And his answer was, everything. <laughs> um, and I, I subscribe to that, and most horror writers I know subscribe to that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so I wanted... I wanted it evolved into a series of stories, but I wanted to explore, you know, not not in a not in a thesis and not in a theoretical kind of way, but by using these characters, I wanted to explore what what that impulse is about and what the genre kind of means to me, really, and why it's important. So, hopefully, I've done that, but also hopefully they're good rollicking stories as well. Great, and and that's out. That last book is out in uh, October. That'll be out in October from PS Publishing. Yeah. But That's anyone right. can follow me on Twitter and probably see announcements about it as we go along. And yeah, um, yeah. And a head full of ghosts. Um, I, I, I read that because uh, I wanted to kind of uh, read something that was similar in tone. I felt to Hereditary. Um, did, oh yeah. Did, did you watch Hereditary? Um, I have. Yes. Yeah. What, what did you think? Um, I didn't really um, uh, go along with it after about the first 40 minutes for me it, it took the, a turn uh, yeah. into um, uh, I, I know it divides people mm-hmm. so I'm in, on that side of the divide I'm yeah. afraid yeah. I was like 40 minutes in thinking this is the most perfect horror film I've yes. probably seen in a long while yeah. and then um, and then it gradually lost me but I don't preclude the po- possibility that I might see it again and think differently. I mm-hmm. always, I always um, allow myself that because um, I, I never think you should be dogmatic about these things. You know, it's yeah. the, the genre is really, really subjective, immensely subjective, and expectation when you go to the movie theater is counts for a lot. Overhype counts to, for a lot, and yeah. all the rest of it. So um, sometimes we can 
sometimes we can disagree, but in different circumstances we would agree on things, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, horror in is, is in a pretty exciting place. It I really think is. at the moment, yeah, it this is. idea of so-called elevated horror. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, personally, I think horror has always been elevated. <laughs> some of it, anyway. Yeah. But uh, but now this expression, elevated horror, kind of makes it a little more. Um, acceptable to people that may be shied away from it and and i hear that in publishing which literally heard in the last couple of days that even publishing now you know the word horror on a book used to be absolute you know the uh, absolute the the kiss of death you know the plague upon it um and now films that are uh, sorry books um that are in the horror vocabulary um are you know, being successful and uh, yep. making money. Exactly. So it's almost like the publisher has to, uh, publishers have to, publishing rather, uh, has to acknowledge that there's a market out there for, uh, for it, you know, and, um, you so, know, uh, rearrange the house accordingly, I think. Yeah, and um, I think that's a, a quite a good place uh, to, to end uh, the interview. That horror is on a high and... Uh Going forward, um, all the people who kind of denounced horror in the past are going to be proven proven wrong, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, Stephen, it's been great to talk to you, um, and I've been wanting to talk to you since I was a small child, um, and I'm glad <laughs> that you, you gave me much. that, that you, you, you apologised at, at last, after 26 <laughs> years. Um, is there anywhere online that you want people to be pointed towards? Um, um, well, I've got... Uh, 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 I've got a website which is www.stephenvolk, Stephen with a ph, stephenvolk.net, yeah. um, or you can find me, Steve Volk Writer, at uh, Twitter. That's probably the best way to follow me and find updates and that kind of thing, although I try to update uh, the news page on my um, website every so often as well. Yeah. Oh, and also one, one more thing. Your wife bought a badge from me to give to you for Christmas, um, the uh, little Sarah Green Ghostwatch badge oh Uh, fantastic that was you yeah i I made those absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant (laughs) um i'm I'm glad you enjoyed some more copies of it because i know that uh, i'm i know that uh leslie the director and uh would would love one of those oh i'll send i'll send you get them online so you don't worry must tell me how to get i'll uh, email me your address and i'll send you a whole bunch actually i've got your address from 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 your wife so um oh fantastic i'll send you a ton yeah uh well thanks very much absolutely delighted to get that thank you oh i'm so glad i'm so glad um thanks very much for coming on really appreciate it um guys out there um please watch all of steven's stuff uh, you've got quite a lot there you've got afterlife um which is probably available on a streaming uh network um of your choice and then you've also got ghost watch with which was on netflix um it's probably still there i hope otherwise you can get it on dvd from amazon and the usual places all right guys i'll see you next week for another episode of what to watch on netflix